Well, this evening we return to our study in the Gospel of Mark. Um, it's been a number of weeks. I think it's over a month since we were last um, in this book. And when we left off, we left actually in a pretty good place because we left after um, Jesus had been teaching in parables, which is, was kind of a break from Mark's uh, characteristic action-packed style as he moves the narrative along. Um, but we had last seen that Christ was teaching through these parables what the kingdom of God was like. And here now, as we return to the end of chapter 4, as we read and seek to understand God's Word through this account of Christ calming the storm, it's like Mark kind of takes his finger off the pause button and the action resumes for us. So let us uh, pray as we approach God's Word, and then we will read um, Mark four thirty-five through 41. Let us pray. Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for how it speaks to us today. We know that it is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And it pierces even and is discerning of our thoughts and intentions of our heart. I pray that it would be so tonight by the power of your Holy Spirit. And Lord, may the words of our mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Mark four thirty-five. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Amen. And we praise God that He has spoken to us in His holy and inerrant Word. When I was about 14 years old, I had saved up a couple hundred dollars, and my brother, who is my only brother, who's nine years older than me, found a boat that he thought that we should pool our resources together in and and go in and buy, which we did. And um, being from Kansas, I did not grow up around water. I was not even uh, a great swimmer. Still, I'm not a great swimmer to this day. But we wanted to have that, get that boat out. So there was a, a, a reservoir nearby. And, and when I say reservoir, it's not like the reservoirs in Houston that are only flooded during flood season or during Harvey. But this is a reservoir with an earthen dam that that, you know, provides boating, recreation, and, and water control, flood control for, for the area. So we took it out on uh, Elk City Reservoir there in Kansas. Um, we had the engine running, but actually the engine only ran on that lake long enough, long enough to get us about 75 or 100 yards out onto the lake. We were very ill-prepared for what we faced, and it, um, I was very scared. I remember that as a young man. Um, we had a paddle, but I'm not sure we even knew how to use it. And it was only the Lord's mercy that caused the wind to blow us back towards the shore and not out to the middle of that lake. But 
I don't have great stories of being at sea. Perhaps there's sailors in here that could, could easily top that story that I just shared with you. But the account we read this, this evening is about the disciples who were seasoned men upon the water, seasoned fishermen, and they were afraid. In our text this, this evening, we see three great things. We see that there was a great storm. And that caused these men to really think they were perishing. Then we see that Jesus spoke a word and there was a great calm. And then as a result, they were filled with a fear that the Bible calls a great fear, which we want to consider as a final point. So I love how Mark brings these three words together. And I want those to structure the outline of, this, of our time this evening. A great storm, a great calm, and a great fear. This account of the stilling of the storm probably rang very clear in the minds of first century Christians because they they were around fishermen a lot. And I can't help but think about uh, Peter. Um, Scholars think that Peter related the events of Christ's life to Mark for him to write them down for us as we have just read. So no doubt Peter, as he related this story to Mark and as Mark took it down... His memory was vivid of the waves crashing over the sides of their boat. He probably could remember the fear that he felt, fearing for his very life. The Bible calls this a great storm, and it certainly was. Storms were not uncommon on the Sea of Galilee, especially later in the day, as as the text tells us that that the timing occurred. The Sea of Galilee was not a a large sea like we would think of of one of the great lakes uh, um, in the northern part of the United States. It was only about 15 miles long and 6 miles wide. If we were in Texas, we'd call that a lake or maybe even a pond. I don't know. But it wasn't a large body of water necessarily, but it was a center of commerce. Much fishing occurred there. Um, a lot of the events of the Gospels occur around the Sea of Galilee. So it was important to, to the Bible. It was important to the, the world of that day. And these men knew the sea. They knew the Sea of Galilee. They knew that storms could be expected. At least four of the twelve disciples were experienced fishermen, Peter, Andrew, James, and John. So they were not necessarily surprised by this storm, but... Yet it was very serious, and it was such that they feared for their very lives. Perhaps they had some concern about taking a voyage at that time of day. Likely they kept a keen eye upon the sky and upon the clouds. But Scripture gives us no reason to think that these events occurred because they were careless, like the, the story that I started out about myself and my brother, No, on the contrary, these disciples were being obedient. It was Christ's suggestion and command that said, let us go to the other side. So in one sense, they knew that these storms were part of life on the Sea of Galilee. But in in another sense, when they were in the middle of it, they seemed to think, nobody told me it would be this bad. And doesn't that sound a lot like our lives? True, we know that Scripture tells us that we should expect trials and tribulation and persecution. And yet, when we're in the middle of it, we think, wait a minute, I didn't know it was supposed to be this bad. 
I didn't know this is what I signed up for. We're, we're like the disciples. Life is full of struggles and challenges. When we're in the middle of them, we want to say, like the disciples said, Jesus, wake up. I'm dying here. Do you see what's going on? Don't you care? That's literally what the disciples said. Perhaps for you, it's a trip to the doctor, and you may be expecting the doctor to tell you you need to lose a little weight or adjust your diet because you're eating too many french fries or whatever the case may be. And instead, the doctor says, well, there's something that concerns me. We need to run more tests. Or maybe you get the results of those tests, and it's something very serious that stops you in your tracks, and you think, wait a minute, this is not what I was expecting. In our text, the storm was great. And in our lives, the storms can be great as well. We often find ourselves in the middle of these storms saying, I know the Bible says to expect this, but nobody said it would be this difficult. We need to remember, as we've already alluded to the fact, that this storm occurred even though the disciples were being obedient. Verse 35 tells us that it was Jesus who said, let us go across to the other side. We could even say that this encounter occurred because of Christ's command, because they were being obedient to Jesus. They were exactly where the sovereign Lord wanted them to be at that moment. When we are in the midst of trials, we often think like Job's friends who said, look at all that's going wrong in your life. What are you doing wrong? What is it that you need to fix to change your circumstances? Too often we think that way. We should always be open to the counsel of Scripture and and godly biblical friends who might challenge us in, in ways that we need it. And we should always be willing to see sin in our lives and correct that and change ourselves change and seek the spirit to work in us to change us and conform us to God's word but we should never automatically think that when we face trials and tribulations that we are being judged for some misdeed if we are God's children we know that in trials we are being sanctified we are being refined but we must trust His sovereign care in every and in all circumstances. We see the violence of the storm in our text, and we see the disciples' reaction. They were fearful. That seems natural to us in the circumstances they were in. Jesus challenged them in verse 40, where He says, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? We, we consider this from a human perspective, and we say, of course they were afraid. They were, they were in a boat. They were being swamped. They were about to go down. At least that's the way they perceived it, and that's the way they made it sound to Jesus. They thought they were going to die. They were afraid. The disciples were afraid of Jesus despite their knowledge of him. And it's interesting to think about maybe what was in their minds as they, in this moment of terror in the midst of the sea. They, they knew about Jesus. They, they knew enough about him, I think, to know that he could do something about the wind and the waves. They'd seen him heal a number of people. They had seen his authority over 
um, evil spirits. He had rebuked the spirits and caused them to go away. Um, but yet, they, they didn't really fully get it. They didn't really understand. They knew he was powerful and that in some way or another, God's power rested upon him, but they didn't completely get it. And there's irony here in that they responded as though Jesus was only hopefully strong enough to help them. When he's really all-powerful to help them in whatever situation. They seemed to want to hope in Christ, but they just weren't sure Jesus was paying close enough attention to them. They somehow reserved, they, they were somehow held back in fully trusting in him. And there's also irony in that they, they said that Jesus didn't care. They said, don't you care we're perishing? And yet, if Jesus didn't care, he wouldn't have been there at all. His presence in the world is proof that he cares. His incarnation is proof that he cares. And certainly his death upon the cross is proof that he cares for you and for me. And the disciples didn't put two and two together on that day to realize who was actually in the boat with them. How is this like us? We are often in circumstances and we wonder, Jesus, don't you care? Don't you see what I'm going through here? Don't you, don't you realize what this is doing to me? When all the while, he is with us, and he is not just with us in our circumstances, he is ordering our circumstances for our own good and for his glory. A pastor once told me in, in, as an encouragement that God is never late, but he is seldom early. Well, I've, I've kind of held on to that because it's a good reminder of ourselves and how we view God. God is always timely. God is always on time. We can never put our own timing upon God. But this is, that saying is a helpful reminder to us to realize that, that God works in his own way and in his own time. We must think beyond the storm and know that Christ is with us and is not overcome or surprised by what is happening We must trust in the sovereign Christ who created the wind and the waves and controls them for his glory and also for our good if we are his children. That's an amazing thing to consider. So we see a great storm. We also see, Mark tells us, that Christ brought a great calm. In a very real sense, when Christ was in the boat... He was already calm. He was asleep. He had a quiet confidence in his father, knowing that he had sent him into the world and that he would care for him and that he was in control. We also see that Christ merely spoke a word, saying to the storm, Peace, be still. And there was a great calm. Where there had been chaos and violence, there was calm. And I think it was instantaneous, too. One minute there was vicious winds and a driving rain, waves crashing over the sides of this little boat. Some of the disciples were likely bailing waters and others battling the oars, trying to keep from sinking. And then in a moment, with only a word from Christ, in place of all that, there was a great calm. 
Imagine the sea becoming nearly still in only a matter of moments. If it was evening, perhaps the sun came out, or maybe it was night, and and they could see the moon for the first time of the voyage. And the sea was completely calm. And they probably almost thought to themselves, wait a minute, what what just happened? It It was a storm a minute ago, wasn't it? What is this that I see now? They were dumbfounded. Perhaps you've thought, as I've described this, of what it may have been like, how of creation and how God brought order out of chaos, out of a void, how God brought light out of darkness. Jesus is showing his disciples that he is God and that in a word he can bring peace out of chaos. He can bring calm out of the most violent of storms. The kingdom of God is upon them. And that's what Jesus wanted them to see. That's what Mark wanted his first century readers to see. That's what we need to see as we read this account, as we hear this related to us. The kingdom of God is here. The creator is among us. The wind and the waves knew Christ. He had created them. They had to respond to his voice because it was his voice that had called them into existence from nothing in the beginning. And it's no wonder they were filled with a great fear. The text here literally says that they feared a great fear. Their astonishment came because they were hit square between the eyes with more of the truth of who Jesus is. Who is this, they ask? Who is this person that even the winds and the seas obey him? We see in later chapters of Mark that they still didn't completely get it. They still didn't completely understand who Jesus is at this time. But I think this was a huge leap forward in their understanding of who Jesus is as the sovereign Son of God. And it leaves them in wonder and amazement. What kind of authority must this man have if he can only speak a word and have the sea of Galilee at his command? If he can tame the sea when it's at its worst, what does that mean for me? What does that mean for the, for the disciple Peter? What did that mean for him? And what does that mean for you and me this evening? Perhaps they recognize that such authority over the seas translated into authority over individuals as well. I think they were beginning to see that Jesus is God, that He is sovereign, that He rules and reigns. And if He rules and reigns, then Peter could not be his own king. And if Christ reigns tonight, you cannot be your own king either. The disciples were filled with a great fear because they were encountering Christ in a way they never had before. They were encountering the king over creation and they were beginning to see his power and glory. As we close this evening, I want to ask you, do you recognize Christ as the king, as the one whose authority extends over all of the earth, over all of creation, over all of nature, and over all peoples upon this earth? And let me also ask you, what is it that you fear? As you encounter the storms that come your way, 
Are you afraid of the storms? I don't mean the thunder and lightning outside. I mean the storms in here, in your own heart, and in your own life. What are you afraid of? What causes fear within you? Are you afraid of man? Scripture tells us that the fear of man brings a snare. Are you afraid of circumstances? Are you afraid of losing control? Are you afraid to submit to this king tonight? If we look at our condition, if we look at the storms that we encounter from merely a human perspective, when things are grim, it seems natural to fear. But contrast the reaction of the disciples in this storm upon the sea with the Apostle Paul in Acts 27. Now, granted, the Apostle Paul was granted a special revelation that he would not perish and those that were with him on the ship would not perish. And we don't consider that normative in the life of believers in in this century, in this day. But we know that Paul had great faith. Paul had great faith in a God who ruled the seas and the world and everything in it. We should learn from his faith. He took God at his word and trusted him to do it. I also think of the three Hebrew children as they faced the the command to bow down to an idol. What was it that they said? They said, well, King, God can save us, but even if he doesn't, we are resolute in being obedient to God. They were resolute in their faith and in their obedience to God. And tonight, Jesus is gently calling to you and to me and saying, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Fear results from a lack of faith. Jesus is connecting those two in that statement. And I think we need to take, put that in our pocket and take it home from, with us. That fear results from a lack of faith. We can trust Christ, not just because He is with us in every trial and storm, but because He rules over every storm, every circumstance. I want to make a distinction here tonight, though. I think we need to distinguish between fear that results from a lack of faith and genuine concern. I think we can be concerned about circumstances and still have faith. We can still recognize the, the trials and the things we face, maybe that grim prognosis from the doctor, maybe some other challenging circumstance that certainly causes concern. But we need to rest and trust in a sovereign God who is not just with us, but is ordering everything for our good and for His glory. Fear of man and the fear of circumstances will lead to worry, anxiety, Sometimes it will lead to anger and depression, serious things. But the fear of the Lord leads to life, to covenant blessings, to trust, to commitment, and to greater faith. Faith begets greater faith. Faith will not keep you from the storms, but it will give you grace in the storms. It will help you keep your eyes on Christ, who will never leave you nor forsake you. Christ is with you in every storm. He is our great Savior. Let us pray.